And as we start off this morning, I want to uh, start off in the book of Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24, you don't have to turn there, but we're going to read that together because it's uh, the first verse of Genesis chapter 24. The Bible tells us that God spoke to Abraham and champions. Let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power. Now, Abraham was now an old man. God had blessed Abraham in every way. God had done what? God had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham was an old man and God had blessed Abraham in every way. What's interesting though is that Sarah has died. Isaac is not married yet. God told him that he would be the father of a nation, but nothing has, he hasn't seen the fullness of that yet. But yet the Bible says God has blessed him in every way. And so uh, during this particular passage, what we recognize that there was a time in Abraham's life where Abraham lost sight of God's promise. Uh, and, and, the, and the Bible tells us that God took him outside and he said, Abraham, I want you to look up into the sky. And just as numerous as the stars in the sky are, so shall your descendants be. In other words, God said to him that as numerous as the stars are in the sky, so shall your harvest be. So shall your seed produce. And so as, as, as we look at that and we recognize then that uh, you may not have seen just as Abraham the blessings that God has for you, but there is something that I want to share with you today. Because what God was doing is that in the book of Hosea, God was doing some things and he was resetting some things and, and he was restoring some things. And, and, and in the book of Hosea chapter 6, and it particularly it's in verse 2 and it's in verse 3, that God, uh, first of all, in verse 1, what they said is that, you know, let's return to the Lord and so that we can live in his presence. And then uh, they began to, 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 to uh, declare some things uh, in verse 2 and verse 3. So champions, let's read that together now. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. In just a short time, he will what? He will what? I love the word restore because the word restore, it does not mean that God was going to take them back to their original state. But the word restore, when God restores, what he does is he leaves it better than it has ever been before. You know, we look at some cars and in a few weeks they're going to have a car show here. And we look at these cars and, and what we recognize is that uh, they've restored it back to the original state. And, and, and according to uh, antiques uh, uh, buyers, that if it's not in the original state, then it's not as valuable as it was, as it should be. But what God does is God doesn't restore you back to your original state. The Bible says he leaves you better off than you ever was. Isn't that interesting? So it gives us a picture that what God does is that God uh, fast forwards you into the future as if you've never missed a beat. Isn't that interesting? So what he does is he restores the years that, that, the, that Joel talks about. He restores. And so they said in just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live. So there is a purpose for God causing you to be better than you ever was. 
And that purpose is so that you might live in his presence. Now let's read verse 3. Let's read it together. Now, all that we might know the Lord, let us press on to know him. So they said that he's going to restore us, but there is something that we have to do. We have to what? We have to what? We have to what? See, many times that there is something between where you want to go and the Bible tells us that you press. Uh, Paul says you press toward the mark of the higher calling. And so there are some things that you have to press uh, uh, on or press against. And so they said that uh, we are going to press on so, uh, to know him. And then notice what they say after that. They say he will respond to us. As the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. He will what? Respond. He will what? Respond. Now notice this. They said that he will restore us. And then they said that we must press on. And because he will respond to our pressing. What's interesting is that this particular passage gives us an analogy of, uh, of what Joel talks about as the former and the latter rain falling together. And, uh, and, and, and it talks about that it will, we are fully persuaded that the arrival of the dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. Naturally, there's been a lot of rain, hasn't it? My God, the weather has been interesting and uh, uh, we need that rain. So what I've done is I've just turned the sprinkler system off at home. I, I haven't had it on in months. And uh, uh, my pea patch or my patch of grass is growing good. My, 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 my hedges are growing they're so healthy and I'm just so excited and I go let the rain fall so so what we know here notice here is that uh, he will respond to us surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring and so later in that particular passage when they said let's return to the Lord that he will restore us he will respond quickly in a short time and, 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 and we are fully persuaded as we press on that he will respond as just as a normal course of the dawn of spring and the rains that fall. Later on in that particular passage in the 11th verse, it says something really interesting. And it gives an analogy of as they press on, as they return to him, as he restores, that something happens. And church, let's read this together now. Judah. I have set a harvest time for you when I will make the lives of my people. Look at this. God has done what? He set what? He set a harvest time for you. <laughs> and he said that in this harvest time, that I'm going to make the lives of my people good again. And so Abram, when God made Abram a promise, Abram said, oh my gosh, he has such expectation." But the moment that God made the promise, he had given him every blessing in every way. Abraham had not just seen the fullness of it. Later on, God began to speak to his people as he continued to reveal himself. And he says these words, he says that I have set a harvest time where I will make the lives of my people good again. You know, isn't it wonderful to know that God has set a harvest time for you? And, and, and we have to understand exactly what this means because a harvest is interesting because it means that there is something that is inevitable to come. A harvest is something that's inevitable to come. And as long as the earth remains, the Bible says that there is seed, 
There is time and there is what? There is, there is what? Seed. There is and there is. Yeah, it's okay to talk in a, in a church that's free to worship. And so uh, the Bible says he's going to set a harvest time where he's going to make the lives of his people good again. And so we have to, what we have to do is we have to look into the future and uh, identify what we like to set in motion. And because most of the time what God puts in your hand is not the totality of what you need. It is the seed that when it is put in motion that it produces the fullness of it. And so while you are reaping in one season, you are, you are, you are getting a harvest. And so you reap and you harvest at the same time. So what's important then, if he has set a harvest time for you, when, uh, when, when he says that I'll make the lives of my people good again, what's important then is that we have to understand what a harvest time or harvest season looks like. We have to understand, according to the word of God, what a harvest season looks like. Now, there are a couple of things I want to share with you. Um, a harvest season is accompanied by the rearranging of limitations and moving of boundaries. We have to understand what it feels like and what it looks like. A harvest season is accompanied by the rearranging of limitations and the moving of boundaries. The moving of boundaries. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible had shares with us that God had given the children, his people, a promise. And he says that this is the journey that I want you to take. So they had crossed the Red Sea. Now they are at the Jordan. They're getting ready to cross the Jordan. But something has happened at the moment that they are to cross the Jordan. And the Bible tells us uh, uh, these words. He says that what I want you to do is I want the priests to put their feet into the water first. And then when they put their feet into the water, then they're gonna, you're going to go across. But notice what happens here. Let's read this together so we can get an understanding in Joshua chapter 3, what a harvest feels like. Let's read it together now. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan... And the feet of the priest who broke the ark deep, bore the ark deep in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time. And this is a very important point here. Because keep in mind that as they crossed the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea first before they crossed over. It did not take, well, it just took faith for them to walk into what God had already done for them. But, 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 but when they got to the Jordan the place right before the promised land, that they had to do something first before they saw the miracle. They saw the miracle at the Red Sea and then they acted. But here, they had to do something first before they saw the miracle. And what's interesting is the Bible says that at, at harvest time, the Jordan was overflowing at all its banks. And it's not just at the beginning of the harvest time, but it was the whole time of harvest. Now, what does this tell us? When something is overflowing, what it has done is it has changed the boundaries and has gone beyond the limitations. Now, we know a lot about that in this area because when the rains come and the floods happen, what happens is that we've got that turnaround right here at 59 that even if it doesn't look like it's flooded, it's closed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't... I, and, and, and so we can't, why? And you know what? Gwen and I were traveling and we saw um, a house that was built in the middle of a, like a, a river. It was dry. And I, I looked over there 
Uh, and I said, Gwen, why did they build? A house? It's abandoned and it's all rotted. But I said, Gwen, look at this. We we're on the freeway. I said, look at that. Why would somebody build a house in the middle of a place that they know is going to flood? The bridge is up here. The house is down there. But, but notice what happens here is that uh, it's, it's the, the, the Jordan is, 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 is flooded at the end time, at all of its banks, the, end, the entire time of harvest. And what that tells us is that, you know, limitations are removed. It tells us that boundaries are changed. And so the conditions change when harvest time comes. And uh, it's about taking you in. And, and, and when I look at that, at any other time, the river looks a certain way. But at time of harvest, it's going to look different than what you are accustomed to. And isn't it interesting that so many times that we pray for a breakthrough, we pray for a harvest, we pray for limitations or boundaries being removed. And what we're typically expecting is it for it to happen the same way and look the same as it did previously. But it will not. Why? Is because during the harvest season, during a time of breakthrough, that boundaries are moved and limitations are rearranged. And you know what I love about this? It says it happened all, you couldn't go any place on the Jordan where the banks were not flooded, nor could you uh, at any time during the harvest season did they receive. And so it took a lot of faith for them to step into the water when it was flooding. It doesn't seem like that was the right time to do it. But the Bible says that they obeyed the word of God. And because of that, they were able to cross over and experience a miracle that we're still uh, reading about today. And so uh, first thing that we recognize here is that Harvest season, what does it feel like? What does it look like? It's accompanied by the rearranging of limitations and the moving of boundaries. The second thing that I want to share with you is this, is that all harvest has to be reaped. It must be worked for. See, God can bring a harvest to you, but you still have to reap it. <laughs> you still have to work for it. And if you don't reap it, you know what happens? If you don't, work, if you don't get it, what happens is that the harvest will not be of use if it goes beyond the time of harvest. So, so what we recognize then is that the harvest is not just going to show up on your front door. There is some sowing, there is some reaping, and when we understand that the harvest has to be reaped, then we understand that there is a harvest that we have to work for. And Jesus refers it to uh, this way. He says that what I want you to do is, I want, I, I, he says, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to gather up the harvest. Now, the people could not see it, but Jesus said, look, the fields are ready and ripe for harvest, but they could not see it. They just had to hear what he was saying and began to walk just as those that were crossing the Jordan had to walk at a level of faith. Why? Because it was harvest time. Now, so we recognize then that the harvest must be worked for. The harvest must be reaped. The next thing that we recognize is the harvest must be prayed for. It must be prayed for. Your harvest must be reaped. You've got to work for it. <laughs> and it must be prayed for. Judges chapter 6. We're going to read verses 3 and 4. Judges chapter 6, verse 3 and verse 4. It says that for whenever Israel had sown their seed, the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east came up against them. 
they would encamp against them and destroy the crops as far as Gaza and leave no nourishment for Israel, no ox or sheep or donkey. And so what they understood is that they understood that the harvest had to, they had to sow for the harvest. But just because you sow doesn't mean that you're going to get it. Wow. Just because you sow does not mean you'll have the harvest. See, if you sowed it, it will grow, but it still has to be what? Reaped. And sometimes you come to a place in your life and, and where the enemy around you waits until you have sown. The enemy will wait until you have weeded. The enemy will wait until you have watered. He will wait until you have cared for the seed. And when you are about to come into your harvest, here comes the enemy and he wants your harvest. Why would you do all the work? Why would you watch the enemy come and run you out of your own harvest field? See, the Bible says that Gideon was ready to fight <laughs> when the enemy tried to come. But God said that, see, that's why uh, they said, let us go so we can be in his presence. Gideon was ready to fight when the enemy tried to come and get his harvest. But the Bible says, God says, no, Gideon, do not fight. But what I need you to do is I need you to make a sound. And so notice this, that the harvest, the enemy is destroyed in many different ways. That's why the intimacy of a relationship with Jesus Christ is so critical because just the, the way God delivered them from the enemy and crossed the Red Sea was not the same way that he was taking them to get into their promise. They had to progressively understand how God was revealing himself to them. And so right now, that God says to Gideon, Gideon, no, 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 no. This is not fighting time. This is what we want you to do is we want you to, we want you to make a sound. And what they did is they went out with a trumpet and they went out with a lantern in their hand. And when they made the sound, guess what happened? The enemy started killing one another. They did not have to fight, although they were willing to. God took care of their enemies for them. How? With worship, with praise, with the sound. And so that's why it's so important that we recognize what harvest feels like and how we uh, uh, must always be sensitive to what God is saying, what God is saying. The harvest must be prayed for. We get instructions for what God is saying. Let's look at the uh, next part. A harvest not only must be prayed for, but the harvest must be stood for. You must stand for your harvest. Stand for it. Stand for it. Stand for it. Stand for it. <laughs> You've got to stand for your harvest. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 12, it's an interesting passage of scripture where there was a man by the name of Shammah. And um, the Bible tells us that uh, th the same thing that would happen to uh, God, uh, people with the Midianites and the Amalekites, it happened to Shammah and his people. And so what happens is that they would plant, they would take care of the seed, the seed would grow, a great harvest would be uh, 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 which would grow and, uh, and they were ready and at the moment that they were ready to get their harvest the, the uh, Philistines would come down and they would run them off of their, uh, from their harvest and so notice this year after year they would plant they would water they would nurture the harvest would grow and right when the harvest grew the enemy would come, up, come down and run them off of their, uh, from their harvest and the enemy would take their harvest. And then the next year that they would plant, they would grow, they would nurture, 
And right when they're getting ready to harvest, the enemy would come down and the, the enemy would run them from their harvest. It happened year after year after year after year. But notice what happened this time. There's one year, there was a man by the name of Shama. And come on, champions, let's read this together because I believe it should be your testimony as well. Let's read it together now. But Shama held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Who brought the victory? Who brought the victory? Look, I'm telling you that uh, Shama was standing in his pea patch. And now he knows that I know what has happened year after year after year after year. But this year is going to be different. And the Bible says that as they planted, as they grew, as the, they were ready to harvest, the Philistines starts coming down. The people run. But Shama makes a decision. And he said, wait a minute. This is my pea patch. This is my harvest. I am not going to run this year. And the Bible says he took a stand for his harvest. And glory to God, as the army of the Philistines came by, the Lord caused a great victory. You know what the word Shama means? The Lord is with me. Shama's like, look, I, I'm not running. You know what the enemy wants to do? He want, why would he do that? The enemy would, would want it to discourage them. Because can you imagine you work? You water, you nourish, it grows, and you're about ready to receive of the things you stood for, the things you've reaped, the things you watered, the things you cared for, and the enemy comes in just because he's lazy. He doesn't want to work. He wants to take the stuff that you've worked for. Why? Really, so he could take your worship. That's the whole, we see that whole thing. And, and, and the framework of restoration. I'll share it with you because remember in the book of Job, some people don't like the book of Job because it's too close to jobs. <laughs> Turn to the book of Job. <laughs> I don't like that book. But, 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 but notice this. I want to share something with you. Remember Job and all the things that Job went through? Job, Job lost his family. He lost his livestock. He lost his wife. Uh, Job lost everything that he had. And you know what the first thing the enemy took? It didn't take his health. It didn't take, the enemy didn't take his children. What the enemy took first was his livestock. During that day, the way they worshiped was they would sacrifice their livestock. And he tried to take away Job's worship. But although he took away Job's stuff, that's how they worship, he could not take away Job's worship. He could not take away Job's praise. And the Bible tells us that over time that what happened is that God spoke to him. Joseph said, Job says that, look, I heard you about you, but now I know you. And, as, and God says to him as he began, God says that I want you, told Job's friends, he said, I've seen what you've done. I've seen how you backbited. I've seen how you've talked about him. I've seen how you have talked about me. I've seen how you blame me for a lot of stuff. He says, now what I want you to do, Job doesn't have any livestock, but what I want you to do is bring your livestock to Job. He's going to pray for you and he's going to worship on your behalf and you will be forgiven. The Bible tells us that God restored to Job double everything that he lost. Why? It's because the, the enemy wants to change your opinion of God. And if he can change your opinion of God, he can change your worship. If he can change your worship, he can change your praise. 
And if he can change your praise and your worship, what he can do is he can keep the benefits of worshiping and praising God. Because see why? It's because he wants you to get confused about your harvest season. But if you know that there are some harvests you got to work for, there are some harvests that you've got to stand for, there are some harvests that you've got to pray for. And you know what? When the enemy comes around, you say, oh, no, 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 enemy. This is my family. That's my child. Glory to God. And I'm not going to run now. Oh, no, I'm going to stand and me and my God will run through a troop. We'll jump over walls and we're going to receive and enjoy the harvest that we've worked for. So, so he says that, hey, I'm not running. He got everything that he lost. Well, now, the, the Bible doesn't say he restored his wife back to him because his wife said, will not you cuss God and die? Joe says, woman. He's the, that's the only thing he didn't get back. He got his children. Isn't that interesting? There's a message in there somewhere. So, so, so Shema stood by himself in a pea patch, and God showed up simply because of his faith, simply because of his faith. Now, let's go to this. So there's a, there's a harvest that you have to stand for, but then next, there's a harvest that you must wait for, a harvest you must wait for. In the book of Matthew chapter 13, see, Verse 24, the Bible gives us a parable, and we're not going to go there today, but I want to share you this parable. Because, see, a lot of people believe that waiting implies passivity, but waiting has an element of expectation to it, and an element, uh, waiting has an element of faith to it. And, and, and when you're waiting, just like Shama did, uh, you're waiting, and you don't know how God's going to do what he's going to do, but you know that God uh, well enough where he has set some things in operation where what you have already sown, he's setting it into motion to produce a harvest. You've got that faith. And based on what you have sown, you begin to harvest and it's set in motion. And you recognize that I'm not, I, I'm not in charge of the time of my harvest, but I'm fully persuaded that God has set a harvest time for me. And sometimes you have to wait for situations and circumstances to be organized by God. You may not see the synchronicity of how he's working it together, but you can be fully persuaded that he can perform what he has promised. Why? It's because the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 13, it says that there was a, there was a farmer that began to sow good seed. And as he began to sow this good seed, that there was, when the harvest came, that there was the good seed and the bad seed that came together. And as those, the, those seeds grew together, People from around came and started talking about him. Started saying that, you know what, I thought that he planted good seed, but look, he's got weeds or tares that are growing in his harvest. See, it's what someone might say about you when they see that maybe you had a child that went wayward and, and, and they look and they say that, uh, you know what, they were supposed to be good. They were supposed to uh, go to, they went to church and um, they, 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 their mother and their father were pro, pro, followers of Jesus but look at their child. Look at what their child has done. Uh, look at, and then they start evaluating and judging your own family, your own life. And, 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 but, but, but the Bible tells us this, is that, that God said that do not tear, pull the weeds up, but let them grow with the wheat. So the wheat and the tares will grow together. But it's going to come a time when it's harvest time, it's going to come a time where the fire will burn up the weeds, the tear, and the only thing that will be left will be the good seed of the harvest. 
And so notice this, that the Bible does say that you reap what you sow, but it also tells us that you reap some stuff that you did not sow. And it does not mean that you've done something wrong. What it means is that, what did they say? While they were resting, an enemy came in and sowed the bad seed in their good harvest. See, while you were resting, perhaps there were other influences that came in and began to affect the life of the family. But I tell you that if you recognize that there are some things that I've got to wait for, there are some things that I've got to stand for, and you make a decision, there are some things that I have to pray for, but I know that there is coming a time where God has set this time for the harvest to grow, and it's going to make our family or our life good again. And when you begin to recognize that it's going to grow at the same, but God's going to take care of the good seed and the bad seed has to die off. It's coming a point where you recognize that in my life, perhaps you've, you've sown, but you haven't seen the fullness of it. But the moment that God made a promise to you, the moment that he promised you is the moment that he gave you every blessing that you need. And just as Abraham, Sarah had died, Isaac was not married, but God had given him a promise. God began to show him that promise. Just in Hosea 6.1 where he says that this is what's going to happen is that when my people return to me, they set order that I will restore, they will press, I will respond, and I will do it in a short period of time.